the Empire Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra Take 7. <laughs> In a one, a two, a one, two, three, four. I think it's going to be fast. It's going to be faster, hasn't it? It's got to be faster. Guys, you've got to come in. You've got to go. You've got to go. It's got to be faster. That was that was that was a mournful dirge. That was a mournful dirge. Yeah, I didn't know where we were. All right, up tempo, up tempo. All right, okay, all right, I'll up the tempo. Ready? All right. Sorry, I've lost. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible the tempo was lost at some point towards the latter movement of that piece. I think one of us started too slow, one of us started too fast, one of us started too low, and I definitely started too high. Mm, and I didn't really start, if I'm honest. So, yeah. You know. Uh, do we want to save that for posterity? I think we do. Yeah. I think we do. No, we nailed it. Yeah, that was it. Nailed. 100% nailed. <laughs> anyway, hello pod. I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the anti-penultimate spoiler special dedicated to WandaVision and in particular that show's seventh episode. Breaking the fourth wall is what it's called, and this episode really has upped the ante, that is for sure. And not in the way that Jon Snow upped his ante, no, no, no. More in a sort oh. of... <laughs> whoa, what? More in a kind of whoa Nelly kind of way. Uh, some theories are confirmed, other theories are blown out of the water. And this is why I like to mention every possible theory in every episode, because eventually you'll be right about one. Anyway, joining me to discuss this episode in great detail are my three colleagues of such lethal cunning. Let's hope none of them are secretly the evil mastermind behind all of this. Uh-oh. Oh, God, we're going musical again. Who's been messing up everything? It was Helen all along. That's fair. Hello, Helen. That's fair. Hi. Helen Hi. Breaking the fourth wall. Who thought that this would be the way Deadpool came into it, right? I mean, my God. <laughs> if you say his name five times, Ryan Reynolds appears wearing a mask. <laughs> I've been trying that. It doesn't work. <laughs> Who's been pulling every evil string? It was Jimbo all along. James Dyer. Hello, Chris. Yes, it's true. I am the evil mastermind behind this. Evil, yes. <laughs> Not so much a mastermind, just just, just sort of peripherally evil. Yeah, okay, and fair and it's less surprising that it was James all along. I think we kind of expected that. Yeah, mm. it's just lazy writing, wasn't it? But the last person who uh, you just heard his voice, you would be shocked to know that he killed Sparky too. <gasps> and Grogu as well, which no. was an unexpected development. It is, of course, Ben Travis, not to be confused with Ben Travers, who huh. is Evil Ben. Anyway, Ben, hello, welcome. How are you? Yes, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I was happy to see Senior Scratchy back this week, uh, and then obviously upset by the very ending revelation of this episode. Is that uh, your nickname for Fission's penis? 
<laughs> Ew, no, why would Scratchy? What? To be fair, he is made of vibranium, so it probably would be a bit. <laughs> oh, no. Deary me. Well, you know, Agnes has a rabbit, so that's, that's taken care of. Anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's funny. That was funny. I'll give you that. That was funny. That was funny. I'm a loud one. I'm a loud yeah, one, funny. Allowed one, I'm one, allowed one funny guy. Every episode. Let's be honest. Nobody has made it past that intro. <laughs> Nobody no, has. That's true. We're on our so, own. <laughs> so here we are talking to a captive audience. Um, anyway, welcome all. Episode 7, Breaking the Fourth Wall. It is time for a recap. Strap yourselves in. WandaVision has been reimagined as simply Wanda, a modern family-style, mockumentary-style sitcom featuring frequent talking heads and breaking of the fourth wall. Wanda finds herself at her lowest ebb after last week's taxing episode. Uh, Speaking of taxi, Tony Danza followed me on Twitter this week. What's that about? Anyway, with Vision currently AWOL, all she wants to do is spend a day by herself with no distractions. But something is going wrong with her magic, and things aren't quite retaining their form. Outside the Hex, Dick Terrorist is plotting something, some kind of Dick Terrorism, no doubt. And inside the Hex, Vision awakens after his close shave last week to find that all the sword agents have now been reimagined as clowns. Mistaken for a clown himself, he's asked to work with the escape artist who turns out to be Darcy. Vision frees Darcy from what seems to be Wanda's influence, and the two quickly team up looking for answers. Meanwhile, Agnes takes Billy and Tommy off Wanda's hands, giving Wanda a chance to find some peace. Wanda keeps saying she's fine, but you know what, guys? I don't think she is. Uh, I've spot there's a there's there's an subtle clues here that Wanda may not wow. be fine. I've spotted them. You can't pull the wool over my eyes. Incredible emotional intelligence. Amazing. I really, I'm tuned into the show on a, on a deep, deep level. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Monica and Jimmy Woo pull up to the rogue sword unit where we're all expecting by now, having been convinced by the internet to find Reed Richards, only to find not Reed Richards, someone whose name, frankly, I can't remember, and I've seen the episode twice. Major Goodner. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Who can forget Major Goodner? Major disappointment unfails the monster truck that will pierce the wall of the hex, allowing Monica to save the day. Back with Wanda, more things going wrong, including the director of the documentary talking back to her. What's going on? We then mm. see a new commercial for an antidepressant called Nexus. Mm. Not, as Ben predicted last week, Thanos. Um, whether we have any more commercials after this remains to be seen. At Agnes's house, first time we've been there, won't be the last, and still no sign of Ralph. Agnes sits with Billy and Tommy, one of whom, because I frankly don't know which is which, tells her that she's quiet on the inside because of Billy or Tommy's new telepathic abilities, you see. Monica then attempts to drive through the hex, only for it all to go horribly wrong, mangling millions of dollars of sword equipment. Then Monica proves she is mightier than the sword. I really would like her name to be Pen at this point, but... Sadly, we have to go with Monica Rambo. Uh, she goes back through on her own. Third time's a charm. This time, her rewritten cells give her superpowers. We're not sure what those powers are yet, but she's got funky blue contact lenses and can see various light spectrums, just like the Predator, right? <gasps> oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Turn around. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going oh, no, to. No, no, no. Meanwhile, 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 after Darcy fills Vision in about his death and about what Wanda's been up to, Vision notices that they're being waylaid by all manner of things on their way to his house. Fed up, he flies away, but he doesn't get there in time for the big confrontation between Monica and Wanda, who attempts to blast Monica back into the middle of next week, only for Monica's new powers to somehow block Wanda's. 
for a bit, a little bit. They chat for a second and just when Monica seems likely to get through to Wanda, Agnes appears, tells Wanda to piss off and takes Wanda into her home. There, Wanda, feeling a bit freaked out, notices that her kids just aren't around. Peeking into the basement, Wanda finds some sort of eerie lair, a malevolent-looking book, and Agnes, who reveals that she is, as has been speculated from the very beginning, like the second the show was announced, (laughs) Agatha Harkness, (laughs) and as she has been pulling the strings all along, which she tells us via the show's best theme tune to date. Um, Mm -hmm. Why did the bad guys always get the best songs? Uh, And then in a mid-credits sting... The MCU truly is back, folks. We are in mid-credit Stingville. Monica is poking around Agnes's house only for Pietro, or what <gasps> seems to be Pietro, to catch her in the act. Dun, dun, dun. And my recap is also dun, dun, dun. And now we can talk about this episode. What right. do you think? I enjoyed it. I feel like it moved a lot of stuff uh, a bit further than last week. Uh, there was a bit more. I think last week was one of those kind of solidifying and resettling episodes and this one felt like it took a couple of big steps forward. Vision now knows his own past, which is important. And, you know, we know who Agnes is, which is also important. And we have some more hints to some more cool things. And we've got uh, Photon as well. So I feel like we've, you know, several things have fallen into place. We have moved forward and we're now in a better position for the last two episodes. (gasps) I thought it was a really exciting episode where like a bunch of big stuff happened and it answered a few things that we've been talking about for weeks and weeks and at the same time it it was one of my least favorite episodes of the series so far i think just in partly in that i was really looking forward to them doing the the sort of modern family office stuff like that's a style of sitcom that i know much better than anything else they've really explored in the show so far and i don't think they quite nailed that and i think i found that slightly disappointing but all of the other stuff going on like the Agatha reveal, amazing. The photon stuff, incredible. We've had weeks and weeks. The fun of this show and the fun of doing these podcasts has been speculating each week and trying to pick the mystery apart. And so getting those answers feels so satisfying when they when they come. And I think we got probably more of that in this episode than in anything else so far. I so I disagree. I think I think they really nailed the the modern family aesthetic mm-hmm. with the, from the office inspired title sequence to like just the you know the, that sort of faux documentary interview format, which I think worked really really well. I think the only thing with it is due to the nature of this episode and because it had to get so plot centric later on, they had to kind of leave it by the wayside about two thirds of the way, and then they had to mm-hmm. abandon it. Uh, and, I, and I think that was the right decision because I think it would have been distracting when you're trying to get all of that exposition out. But uh, I loved it. I love like Vision sitting outside the little truck doing his little interviews and then being like, why am I sitting here talking to you? Just I, I thought it was, it was really nicely done. I also, I enjoy that format. And I think the gags that they layer into that are really nice. That, that kind of, especially the use of dead air as well, where she'll say something yeah. and then it'll just hold on her face as she just stares into the camera. It's nice. Mm-hmm. I also think he was doing quite a good Phil Dunphy, but it was less yes. obvious because he's bright red. And <laughs> <laughs> English. Yeah, but you know, like like I feel like she did a very, very spot on Claire, but his Phil was a little bit more hidden by the by the makeup. Interesting. Yeah. I also think that has probably the best gag in any of the, the sitcoms because the sitcom format is beginning to wane. There's there's no question about that. And it, mm-hmm. I think they deliberately moved away from it th- throughout the rest of the show. And Vision, even, the, the, I love the moment where he takes his, his um, lapel mic off and it's stuck to him because presumably he's metal. <laughs> so they just use a magnet. So he takes it off and then he bangs his head off the boom mic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is the first time we've seen actually someone doing that and holding, holding a boom mic. And it feels in a way like it's the end of the sitcom chicanery for the show and it raises all kinds of questions as well about how even though vision seems to be independent 
and free of Wanda's influence or Agatha's influence or Agatha's influence or whoever is pulling Agatha's strings. If in, Oh, Christ, here we go again, down the rabbit hole, down the senior scratchy hole. Um, how even though he's independent and working independently and working with Darcy, how he's still dragged into the sitcom format. So maybe they'll answer that uh, mm. in the last two episodes. But I had the best gag, I think the best gag in any of the episodes so far, which is when Agnes, uh, who's very good at looking at the camera, <laughs> By the way, she's very, very good at doing that sort of, you know, yeah. Jim from the office kind of find a camera and look at it strangely. And she goes, don't worry, kids, I won't bite. And then cut to her talking head. She goes, actually, I did bite a kid once. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed out loud at that. I thought that was so funny. But that only highlighted to me that I, I, I guess they, we spoke about this earlier on, didn't we? In, in some of the earlier episodes of like, is the sitcom stuff funny? Um, and for me, I was hoping the sitcom stuff here would be funnier than it was because th- Modern Family and The Office use that format so smartly to build gags into the Talking Heads stuff. And I feel like that really great Agatha or Agnes slash Agatha joke really highlighted like how great that can be. And I wish they'd gone a bit further with some of the um, some of the Wonder and Vision stuff. But I don't think that's what was on their mind with this one, yeah. Ben, to be honest. I think this was about Wanda being in a very, very dark place. And like every single one of her Talking Heads is a cry for help. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that it's deliberate also that they move away, as James said, from the format halfway through, because it reflects, again, her loss of control of the reality or somebody's loss of control over her. Mm. Anyway, you know, things <laughs> going to pot, basically, is is reflected in the fact that the, the sitcom structure has been getting steadily looser for the past couple of weeks. And I think this, you, you really saw it go off the rails. And, and that is, again mimicking all of this you know physical stuff that is yeah. suddenly going wrong with the pint of milk and the living room and everything else the glitching the temporal glitching i also enjoyed the return of the aspect change sound effect mm. uh, which was nice to see that back again when it goes from cinematic to uh 16.9 so that was good yeah it was really good i think um I, I i was confused about the milk initially because i was like the local dairy makes almond milk <laughs> anyway, but you know, I guess the it's gag very works. middle class place she lives in. <laughs> I guess so. When the milk was glitching uh, and it became a cotton, there was a missing kid. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I was worried about that. Do we think that is the child that Agatha Harkness bit? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I'm prepared to believe that's fully a joke. If I'm, but of course, yeah, the the joke about biting the kid is is oh, you amazing. know when you when you know when you know the the reveal. Uh, it takes on a very sinister aspect, doesn't it, folks? You know, did she actually bite a kid? What's happening? Uh, should we talk about that? Let's, let's start at the end of the episode then, uh, really. Let's properly start at the end of the episode and talk about the big reveal, which yeah. is that Agnes has in, is indeed Agatha Harkness, uh, as has been speculated. I even asked... I don't know why I bothered really, frankly, but when I interviewed uh, Catherine Hahn for the cover feature, I said, you know, you're people, lots of people are saying you're Agatha Harkness. Are you Agatha Harkness? Well, I can't say anything about anything. Who's Agatha Harkness? What's going on? Well, you know, I had to ask. Mm. Um, you know, it's very unlikely that she'll go, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, you I got am. me. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm so glad that you've asked. I've been trying, trying to keep it in now for the last year or so. Yes, I'm Agatha Harkness get revealed at the end of episode seven i have a great song and everything uh proper evil well is she definitely no that's it because she's not historically a villain is she mm. she's just a bit tricky yeah sometimes tricky but not usually mm. an out and out wrong and mm-hmm. um she's the cause of the whole house of m thing indirectly isn't she essentially because she doesn't she wipes wanda's mind and then when she remembers she goes a bit mental yeah she was trying to help though you know she was but and then didn't she as i recall didn't she essentially 
help conceive the twins because she makes them or helps make them out of two parts of Mephisto's soul, which is ultimately where they go back in the end. So, you know, so, so I'm still not ruling out Mephisto turning up at some point. Well, yeah, judging by the song, she is less of a good one this time yeah. so far. But I'm just saying it's not necessarily the case that she is definitely the big bad here. There is still room mm, for yes. AN others and or uh, some kind of slightly more grey role for her. I don't know. But um, but yeah, there, there was the sinister book, though, as well. The mm. ne- Necronomicon, if you will. I thought that might be the Dark Hole, which is that spell book which comes from the dark dimension, so obviously ties into everything, Dormammu, Dormammu. and whatnot. Uh, indeed. <laughs> I've come to Borgen. Um <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but, however, a version of the Dark Hole, I believe, has actually cropped up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. already. So unless they've completely oh, excised yes, this from the did. canon, then yeah. maybe that's not what it is. And apparently Runaways also... I mean, I haven't seen any, I haven't seen Runaways, but uh, my understanding is it's placed. It's the same thing as the Netflix shows. They're they're in the MCU, but they they can't mention any of the um the expensive stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's it's on the periphery of the MCU. But yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. We'll 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 find out. Certainly from the the pictures I've seen of it uh, and its incarnations in the MCU, this is a very very different book. And lots yeah. of people are just jumping to conclusions. But then lots of people jump to conclusions about Reed Richards, and they all look fucking stupid now, don't they? So. <laughs> So I'm not going to get. I'm not going to throw my weight behind all these internet theories uh, anymore. The spooky book to me, as somebody who doesn't know this sort of comic story that well, or or Mephisto, or Agatha <laughs> any of that. Let's just call it the spooky book. The spooky, yeah. book. The spooky <laughs> book. The spooky book made me think immediately of the library of spooky books in Doctor Strange, and we know that this ties into Doctor Strange. So mm-hmm. that that's where my mind went in that moment. Like, has she somehow nicked this book from? From the, they're not the only ones with a library. You know, there might have been yeah. libraries in Salem or New An Salem. Evil library. Fun. It's just a limited edition Folio Society copy of Fifty Shades <laughs> of Grey. Like, let's oh. be honest. Yeah. Are Mephisto's desires unconventional? Oh no! <laughs> That's the red room of pain, right there. <laughs> yeah, right there. Wanda's accidentally stumbled into it at the end. <laughs> Listen, I hope that I hope that if it's a library book, that's great. I just hope that Agatha has checked it out properly, properly, and hasn't mm. stolen the book and hasn't been racking up late fees because that would be truly unforgivable. Not imprisoning an entire town of people and wiping people's memories and maybe stealing kids and biting them and stuff. That's all fine. Wow. Late fees on library books, no. Well, my sister, the librarian, thanks you, as I'm sure Wong does as well. But I I don't know if if that's our official position, Chris, as a podcast. Anyway, um, I did want to talk about Doctor Strange, though, for a second, uh, for two reasons. First of all, I literally went back and watched all the scenes of dark magic users just to see if they were particularly purple and if that reflected uh, what we see here. And the answer is no, Helen. Of (laughs) course, you you remembered it right. There wasn't any particular use of purple, although Dormammu did tend a little bit purple. So, you know, maybe. Ovavu. Yeah. I had a stupid thought about the purple uh, mm-hmm. because I immediately wondered, uh, wondered. 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 So there are so many glowy eyes going on here. Agatha's got purple glowy eyes. Uh, <laughs> Wanda's got red glowy eyes. Monica Rambo's got blue glowy eyes. Are the red uh-huh. and blue glowy eyed people, Wanda and Monica, teaming up to take on Agatha with the purple glowy eyes? Oh, oh, drugs. Wow. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> It's a, it's a kind of primary school colour prison kind of thing. Yeah. I like it. What is happening? I thought you were about to say, if you take the red glowy eyes and the blue glowy eyes and put them together, you get green glowy eyes. So Green Lantern is behind all of it. But, but red and blue together make purple, purple. James. Oh, that was the point. Yeah, that's a good point. The what am I thinking of? Yellow or blue? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> 
See, and that theory was really compelling up until that particular flaw. <laughs> so, you know, you fucked it there. I, I was thinking more in terms of the Infinity Stones, but it, like none of it makes sense in terms of Infinity Stones, unless we no. go with my theory that they're all linked at a subatomic level, and therefore even when you get your parts from one Infinity Stone, they end up coming from another. You're linked so. at a subatomic level. <laughs> Thank you. Oh I my guess God. we all are. Kind That's of. the ultimate rejoinder, isn't it, really? When you've, when you've got nowhere to go. <laughs> The other Doctor Strange thing was that I got thinking about people leeching off other people's magic, and I wondered that if if the Doctor Strange cameo, if there is one that we see at the end of this show, if there is one, might not be Strange, it might be Mordo. What if Mordo shows up to try and eat everybody's magic? That'd be a case of Mordo as Lesto, isn't it? I mean, no one wants to see Mordo. No, but Mordo what I'm saying is, like, he turns up, like, kidnaps Wanda <gasps> or something, no, and no, then Helen, it's a rescue mission. One does not simply walk into Mordo. <laughs> You might if you were passing him on the street and there wasn't enough room on the pavement, you know. Then he'd Probably magic not these you into a different dimension, wouldn't he? He'd be, you know, yeah. he's very unforgiving. He'll take your brain to another dimension. Pay close attention. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't do these late at night. It's very bad idea. It's three. It's it's twenty to six. How is this late at night? <laughs> Look by my standards. All right, I'm usually in bed by now. Nice cup of Horlicks, curling up with a good book. What's what what sort of good book, Helen? Do you have any books you might recommend to the good people? <laughs> Look, anybody listening to this knows that Women vs. Hollywood, The Fallen Rise of Women in Film, is out now from all good and evil booksellers. So mm-hmm. I won't even mention it. If it's at the evil booksellers, then you can go and get the spooky book at the same time. The spooky book <laughs> yeah. at the same time, yeah. They just like drape some cobwebs over it. It is worth mentioning that the spooky book is kind of red, whereas sort of purple seems to be the witchy aesthetic. So does that mean the spooky book is connected to someone else, like Mephisto? Or Wanda. And not, yeah. Yeah, but it was a bit more of an orangey red. Like it was, mm. a, I don't know, it felt mm. like a, a palette. Like hellfire shift. is what you're yes. saying. Yes. Is this podcast sponsored by Crayola all of a sudden? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly... Um, yes, I, I don't know. This episode was the one that made me think that maybe my great big prediction about Doctor Strange rocking up at the end of the, the show might not happen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, not least because I imagine Benedict Cumberbatch is very expensive even for the MCU on TV. But I, I, I it looks to me like whatever problem is happening here... Mm. Whatever, whatever's going on, whatever's really, really going on, that it should be sorted out without outside intervention. That's that's what I'm beginning to come around to. I only think that it might be a Doctor Strange cameo if, as we discussed previously, if the ramifications of this and the repercussions of this are bad for Wanda. Because I think she does think that she's the villain right up until the end yeah, of the episode, yeah. that she thinks she's responsible for all of this. And she is to a large degree still. I think, you know, she does control a lot of it herself still. But, you know, as we said last week, the outside world's perception of that, even after all this is over, even with Monica and Darcy on the inside and Vision on the inside and seeing who's really pulling the strings, you know, if Dick Terrorist has his way, he'll paint Wanda as the bad guy and so maybe Doctor Strange might turn up because you know again Agatha is magic based powers so it might be a Mm. way into it but I think that ultimately as Monica says if Wanda is a problem then Wanda's also going to be a solution and she's going to be the one to you know if, if he appeared as a sort of deus ex machina I'd be now. I'd be a little bit disappointed by that. I don't think he'll sort everything out if he does turn up. I think he'll he'll turn out up to set up the next step if he turns up. I don't think he's going to like ride in on a white horse and save the day. I do think it's possible though that he will turn up in some form because 
Apart from anything else, did you did you catch during her to camera bit when she's sitting on the armchair at the beginning? She says something about having a quarantine day, which felt mm-hmm. like very much a recent, obviously, addition to the show. And so I wondered if that meant that you know he's around, he's filming, you can do something like that. But yes, Paul Bettany this week he was he was um, oh, so good. He was saying more things to people this week. You know, he did a thing kind of talking about fan theories and you know where people were right and where, whether people were wrong and uh, he was talking about this thing that he said that there's going to be an actor showing up that he'd always wanted to work with and then he clarified it this week saying further that it was an actor he'd wanted to work with all his life now Paul Bettany's what late 40s early yeah. 50s at a push uh, so an actor that he's always wanted to work with so that means we're going back what 30 years so is that maybe doesn't mean Cumberbatch that rules out Cumberbatch because Cumberbatch ascended after Bethany ascended. So I mean, who he could might be it be? Exaggerating. Who could it be? Who could it be? I don't know. In that case, Pacino who's, who's is old? Mephisto. I mean, he's played the devil already. He has. God he has previous. is an absentee landlord. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's. Oh God! You've just destroyed the devil's advocate That's for what me. He's <laughs> I think the devil's advocate destroyed the devil's advocate. Oh, oh hey, hey, come on, come on. I'll hear no, no shade thrown yeah. at the devil's advocate. Absolutely not. All right, here's one, here's one. What if it's Sam Jackson? What if it's Nick Fury? Okay, so he was already famous, I guess, when Bettany came to prominence in Gangster Number 1, so he might have wanted to work with Sam Jackson his whole life. And also, if you think about the timeline, because we know or we think that WandaVision takes place before Spider-Man Far From Home, and at the end of that movie, we saw him on a spaceship, which we presume means he's working for or with S.W.O.R.D. So if this season or if this show works out the way we think it's going to, with Dick Terrorist being usurped as director of S.W.O.R.D. by Monica Rambeau, then she might call up her old childhood mucker, Nick Fury, and say, hey, listen, can you go sort some shit out in space with my good friend's the scrolls, so it might be him. What he would do at the end, I've no idea. He's just an old bloke in a leather coat. But you never know. I mean, really? Do we think? No, I, I no, 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 we don't. No. Are, are but, we are we waiting for a bad guy announcement for any uh, other big movies? Uh, well, they have announced a bad guy for Doctor Strange. Well, in the okay. multiverse of madness. I have a thing that I will mention. Okay. And that is when she talks, when we see the advert, the Nexus advert, never yes. n- Nexus antidepressants because the world doesn't revolve around you. Or, or does it? Does it? <laughs> now, here's the thing Nexus beings, this is a Marvel term mm-hmm. for a certain class of person wh- of which Wanda is one. So there's people who have the power to affect probability and the flow of time and reality. Kang the Conqueror is also a Nexus ah. being. So. And but then also this does tie into to to Lo, uh, to Loki because the people who monitor Nexus beings are the Time Variance Authority, who we know will be appearing in Loki. So many things could be tied what? together here. Interesting. Wow. I don't I don't feel like Kang feels right for this. It'd be a weird way to introduce him, if I'm honest with you, unless it becomes like someone who's working for Kang or is connected to Kang. That would just be quantum mania, guys. But but the Nexus thing definitely, definitely feels like it's leading into multiverse of madness. Like that, 100% yeah. Yeah. nailed on. The whole point of the Nexus is, is not just that they twist reality, but also that they can mm. sort of access the multiverse, isn't it? So mm. that yes. could be a very uh, important 
Average. And it feels like this this tees it up. Maybe, you know, Loki then gives it a good old punt and then it goes into a multiverse of madness. But there is the other line in that advert, you know, about getting approval from your doctor. So that <laughs> kind of maybe is a Doctor Strange pun. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, okay. Yeah. And also, I, I I still wonder if they're going to be her, her parents, ultimately, you mm. know, her and Pietro's parents, because it's the same people every single same time. People. What is happening there? I also like the gags in that, which is, you know, mm. side effects may include feeling your feelings and more depression, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> <laughs> which is really true. But, you know, Elizabeth also is so true. great in those little talking heads moments as well, yes. where she's going, yeah. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And you can see the hashtag sadness in her eyes. Ben? Yeah. I was just going to say, if it is Kang the Conqueror, we should um, go back and check the Paul Bettany and um, Lizzie Olsen quotes, because maybe they said uh, that it's a Majors cameo and not a Major cameo, and they meant... Jonathan Majors. But again, it wouldn't be Jonathan Majors because he only rose to prominence in the last couple of years. So unless Bettany is just spinning us, he's... He was a huge fan of The Last Man in San Francisco. Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, and if that takes us to San Francisco, then Ant-Man and the Wasp come in. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Which leads, leads directly to Sonny Birch. To Sonny Birch. <laughs> this is worse than the colour theory. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Sonny Birch is the, le- is the big bad of WandaVision. I've been saying it for weeks. Um, unfortunately, this does revolve around a book and he can't read. So he like He would, if you were casting Mephisto, he wouldn't be terrible casting as Mephisto, Walton Goggins. But unfortunately, they've already cast him as the pivotal character in the MCU. So <laughs> That's true. Unless Sonny Birch, Birch has got his hands on sort of quantum technology and <gasps> therefore he has gone into the quantum realm, become a quantum maniac and somehow morphed into Mephisto. I still Listen, I still don't know about Mephisto. I know there's, there's nods to him in the Loki trailer, but I do wonder about that because yeah. he's basically the devil. And how do you do that in the MCU? Well, we might be about to find out because I mean, there's we asked the same thing about Thor. So you yeah, know. yeah. But Thor, Thor is a god. He's not the god. But then Mephisto's not exactly Satan. Like his power no, is not. quite limited. In yeah. like in the Inferno storyline, he gets in all kinds of trouble. So well, he's... actually, I think it's heresy to say that Satan's powers are unlimited. Technically, so <laughs> Satan's yeah. powers are also limited. Thank you. Yeah. But it, it, and I seem to recall even in the like Mephisto, one of his early storylines, he gets into a big old fight with Hela, and uh, that doesn't go especially well for mm. him. Cool. So. I mean, I, I can kind of see them going there because I think they've done quite a good job all the way through of just going, do you know what? Science, technology, magic, it all just looks like colourful, fo- like cool stuff. <laughs> gonna, it's all just going to be like shooty lasers or like swishy, like swishy magic-y stuff. So I think they kind of could go there. I think they've done a really good job all the way through of like, I, I sit there and think, how are they going to bring this stuff in? How is that going to sit alongside all of this stuff? And they just go, well, it just just does and you go oh okay <laughs> it does yeah. doesn't it okay that's cool um so yeah right can, back and thor when they go down into the basement when they go down into agatha's creepy basement it has <gasps> that real basement. like horror fantasy mm. spooky like oldie timey vibe that i'm like again it, it, the show's literally taking you into an environment where you feel like something like mephisto could yeah. suddenly be part of this world also, yeah. also got a birdcage down there, which I thought was, you know, interesting kind of set decoration. Uh, oh, yeah. And, uh, and a devil cage. face on the wall, which Ooh. looks yes. a little bit Mephisto-alike. Uh, now, the internet has been wild and awash with speculation as well, because just before Wanda goes down to the basement, she sees a what, what people thought was a fly. And then, obviously, there's been some sort of war breaking out on WandaVision yeah. Twitter. So... You know, again, I've been burned after the Reed Richards thing. I don't believe in anything you fuckers say. <laughs> Honestly, it's ridiculous. 
Uh, so, but they're saying that Mephisto, as we all know after Hasty Google, uh, appeared first in the Marvel Comics universe as a fly. So, is that a nod to him on the wall? I thought that maybe that Agnes had turned Billy and or Tommy into yes. animals that she'd put. Where are the twins? Yeah, that she'd put Billy and or Tommy into Senior Scratchy, and that the fly was. Um, the fly was the Tommy or, or Billy. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I've forgotten their names already. But also, do you notice on the TV that there's this really weird, freaky kid show? Yeah. Ben, ben kid clearly show. watched that show as a kid. Yes. I, no, I didn't. I was too old for it. It was only like a few years ago, but it's called Yo yeah. Gabba Gabba. It's like this yeah. really is that crazy. Yo Gabba Gabba? Oh, yeah. That's Yo Gabba it Gabba. Is, yeah. They had loads of fun songs. Weezer did a song for Yo Gabba Gabba called My Friends Are All Insects. So that's a real TV show. Oh, it's a real TV reality show. of this show. My Friends Are All show. Insects. Like the insect <gasps> like the bird, that's in the, the fly thing whatever it is ah, but also the lyrics of the song they were singing and I say lyrics it was one word it was jump and they were yeah. just saying jump 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 and I wondered if that was maybe her you know on some sort of subliminal level maybe telling no I think Wanda. it's just batshit mental like all of those kind of like in the night garden mm-hmm. kind of tinky winky mm-hmm. ninky nonk Terrifying. ninky nonsense hey kids I'm ninky nonsense <laughs> There's a real Pennywise vibe there. I sent a shiver at my tail in the tumbly booze. We all float down here! Hey! <laughs> but this is an episode that's beginning to deal with the possibility that the kids aren't real, also. Um, that when they're not with. We have seen them sort of have independent life before, but right now it seems that certainly Agatha and possibly uh, Wanda to an extent, extent can sort of dismiss them a bit when they're not needed. So it might be setting something up about that. I don't know. Because in the comics, it, that's that's how Agatha Harkness... Agatha yeah. Harkness is the one who figured out that the kids weren't real because she was their nanny. And she's mm-hmm. also been historically the nanny she's to Franklin, Franklin Richards, Richards. Yep. who is the son of Reed and Sue Richards and is super mega powerful, um, ultimately, in the comics. She's one of the original Salem witches. Yeah. She, yes, she was uh, in The Crucible. Bit highbrow for this podcast, I realise. No, <laughs> a parphead? What signify a parphead? She lies and signs herself to lies. That's basically what Agatha Harkness does. Um, More stones. Yes. <laughs> See? See, Helen gets it. Helen gets it. I played Reverend Hale. Ugh. Yeah. I bet Books you did. weighted with authority, Chris. Books weighted with authority. I, I, I don't know what that means. That's what anyway, I'm about Reverend Hale. I was improving. Oh, okay. <laughs> I I you. Went, I went, who is this Arthur Miller? I throw out his text. I quit this court <laughs> every single night. I just, I just riffed. I just riffed whatever came to mind. Anywho, wow. what was I talking about? I got the Harkness. What was I talking about? Um, her role in noticing the kids disappeared yes. when Wanda wasn't around. Yes. So she notices in the comic books that whenever Wanda is not in the Avengers Mansion, that Billy and Tommy mysteriously disappear and... I wonder if there's an element of that here. But mm. obviously they, they exist enough that when they go around to Agnes's house that they still are there. They're tangible, but we don't see what happens to them after that. So has she transmogrified them somehow into, you know, a fly skate actually, or um a rabbit thing? Or have they just simply ceased to exist? Or did she take what Billy or Tommy said to her about her being quiet inside because of his burgeoning telepathic abilities? Did she take that as a threat? Hmm. I know it's Billy. I don't, I'm going to write that down. Uh, (laughs) And 
And uh, did she see that as a threat and maybe removed them from the chessboard temporarily? Yeah. Or again, just did it as a, as a lure? Uh, but you can see that her plans are accelerated. She's, mm. you know, she's, everything's accelerated by Monica's arrival in yeah. Westview and her challenging Wanda because she's suddenly that nosy neighbor. You know, she looks out the window and goes, oh, hang on, I better deal with this and accelerate my plans. Yeah, I think I think the thing about quiet inside implies a level of control that she has over the situation that other people do not, even before we get to the song which says exactly that. But that she can um hide her thoughts from a telepath has always been a sign of power in the in the comics uh, and films to date. So uh, you know, she doesn't even need a helmet like Magneto. She's just like got it built in. That's such a great creepy line as well. Like giving giving a slightly strange kid the chance mm. to say you're quiet on the inside. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's great. <laughs> Especially I'm so intrigued, obviously, like we keep bringing up Doctor Strange because we know Wanda's gonna be in Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. And they keep talking about that being the first horror-esque project in the MCU. And I I can't wait to see how they how they sort of tie that together. And I feel like this is the first thing really in the MCU as a whole where we've gone, ooh, I can see how they would inflect a little bit of spookiness, um, like, yeah, horror vibes without it being kind of overly graphic and keeping it sort of family-friendly enough for the MCU. Mm. Is the Multiverse of Madness going to be sparked by Wanda nexusing herself in order to find Billy and Tommy in another reality, having been deprived of them in this one? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we did it, guys. Let's go, let's go with we that. got it. We solved. We solved one division. <laughs> and we don't. We didn't do what I what used to do with Rubik's cube, which I just take them apart and then put them back together again. And that's how I. That's how I solved the Rubik's the stickers, cube. It's fine. Yeah. Speaking of villains, though, for this episode, we heard a little bit more about uh, Dick Terrorist's plans. Mm. Uh, Project Cataract was, of course, to reanimate Vision to bring him back to life against his express wishes, which I guess we kind of guessed that, hadn't we? From you know. Last episode. Yeah. Nice to have it confirmed, though. Mm. But how... I still have so many questions. Like, so many questions still. We've got two two episodes to go. I wonder if any of them is going to be supersized. How did they bring Vision back? Because he was powered by But he Mind hadn't Stone. brought him back yet. He wasn't getting anywhere with it. Yes. Yeah. So how was so Wanda he was brought him back? Failing. Yeah. So, well, because Wanda and, has the same power source, I guess. So That's true. Yeah. She's, she's powered by the same stone. <gasps> what if... The multiverse shit kicks off because she goes into another universe where the Mind Stone still exists, yoinks it to stick mm-hmm. it in Vision, uh, in his head, obviously. Quite possibly, <clears throat> quite possibly. And what if this isn't the Vision? I refuse. He says, he says, it's good. No, I now know what happened to me, and you know what happened to Wanda, and you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know. Everything is so fresh for her. Just everything just happened literally weeks ago for her. Uh, but for me, it all feels like it happened to someone else. And I wonder. No. I wonder. Uh, <laughs> I wonder. And this is just a theory I'm coming up with off the of the you know the top of my head. Um, as with Pietro, whether Wanda has plucked him from another another dimension, another dimension, another dimension, another dimension, <laughs> and and pl- transplanted him here. And that can also make sense if, for example, Wanda isn't the nexus but the hex is the nexus and the nexus is some sort of convergence of all realities and reality is thin between dimensions it might explain how agatha or wanda or someone snatched pietro or someone who looks like pietro from a a different dimension i don't think it is 
that. I don't think the fission is a different fission, but I'm just saying. I think he's the real, real, in inverted commas, vision from our reality. I think he is an imperfect construct or reconstruct of vision from, you know, the dead body and her memories and what's left of him inside the dead body and this kind of weird melange of everything and magic. But I don't think he is another vision because it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense emotionally. It wouldn't work emotionally, I don't feel like. Like his first question to Darcy is, are my children safe? That mm-hmm. doesn't work if he's not vision in a way, our vision, I feel like. Um and and I also feel like their entire um, conversation where he asks her, what am I now? And she can't tell him. He is heartbreaking in that scene. Mm-hmm. He is completely heartbreaking. And that you lose all that impact if he is a vision from another universe. Mm-hmm. Then he's just a amnesiac. If, if he is this vision, if he is a dead vision, then that scene is really, really resonant. Okay. Also, he started reverting to dead vision when he went outside the hex, didn't he? Kind, well, we discussed that last week. Kind of not, though, in a weird yeah. way. Well, well, I don't. Uh, we're still not clear what happened with him and, and how, because we've seen how Wanda actually does see him, which is as dead vision. So yeah, he's dead vision. I was just throwing some some theories no, out I, there. I like you know. it. It's a good idea. Um, but he is vision now. Whether he's been just stuck hastily together with some blue tack or or whatever, or but somehow she's managed to bring, she's managed to power him somehow. But he remains dead. But she's fixed it, or Agatha's fixed it that everyone sees him as the vision. But the second he goes outside the hex, the spell begins to break, if it is a spell, if that's what Wanda is doing. It's all very, very strange. But yeah, the Mind Stone, because that's what brings him to life in Age of Ultron. So, you know, and he still has one in his head, but is it a fake Mind Stone? Did he get one down the Mind Stone shop? Is there... Is there Swarovski. You know, yeah, Swarovski. Did he go? Did, did he go to the Disney store and just pluck one off the shelves and stick it in his forehead and hope for the best? It's just part of the illusion, isn't it? He it wasn't there on the dead vision we saw underneath. So no, I think it's just no. part of the illusion. Part of the illusion. But he, I thought he was just so good in that scene. I just I'm going to say it again. I fucking loved it. He looked yeah. really lost. He needed a hug. Poor vision. <laughs> Poor vision. They're also great. They're they're they're, they're so really yeah. really great. And I thought you know we've been heaping lots of praise on on Bentley and Olsen over the last few weeks. And and Catherine Hahn, whenever she's come in, she smashed it and she adapts really beautifully to the needs of each sitcom genre. But uh, I thought she was just fantastic in this oh episode. God, There's yeah. a sort of creepiness to her, um, you know, slight deadness behind the eyes, and then the malevolence, the wickedness of of the Agatha reveal, and then. I don't think we've talked about this enough. The Agatha All Along song oh. uh, is just tremendous. And her performance it's, it's in that monsters as well. It's a montage, isn't it? Like, yeah, it feels it like a monsters tribute. Yeah, it's it's definitely a riff on monsters. Um, do you know who wrote the monsters theme tune? No. Jack Marshall, a.k.a. the dad of Frank Marshall. Frank Marshall's dad. Ah, cool. I did not know that. I wrote know the that. monsters theme tune. That would have been a great Three fact structure fact. Too late now. 
The, the the song was great though. Like this is this is exactly what you want when you get Disney songwriters in to come and write songs mm. for your show. You give them a villain song to do because they're going to smash a villain song out of the park. Um, it was it was just such a fun moment, and I loved that. Obviously, you got to see all those um, Agatha Harkness moments from other sides. See her yeah. in those scenes. The, my favorite of those um, was just the the scene we saw last week where Vision yes. goes to her in the car, and it's such yes. a creepy, really creepy sequence. And you, you see it from Vision's side of it, and it's like, oh, this is so strange, Paul. Poor, poor Agnes and then it's her sort of fixing her face in the car just like mugging relentlessly and then oh no and yeah I loved that and tapping Herb on the shoulder in, in episode three mm. which because we, 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 we'd speculated about this hadn't we mm. we'd, we'd said things like she's always and I, I, you know, I know that we've gone back and forth on whether the Agnes is the, the person pulling the strings I'm still not sure that she is mm. but you know we we kind of went back and forth that a little bit but we did also speculate that you know she's clearly around every time that something comes close to breaking the illusion or that postman um you know in episode two i think it was and she was like go on run along pew 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 and uh in episode three she's talking to herb about the the dangerous outsider geraldine inside and yeah and she's there's so much joy and and you know comedy wickedness in her performance in mm-hmm. the in the song which she sings as well she sings her her bits in that song she's so, so good. Well, we, knew, we knew she could sing from Step Brothers, of course. Um, of course. And, and I have to say, I mean, you know, while I have somewhat defended her saying, you know, she's a good character in the comics, if she did kill Sparky too, that's, I mean, that's a bad sign for her. Yeah, her chance she has got to go. What a monster. Yeah, yeah. What absolutely. a monster. The most out there theory I have heard about this particular episode is, and wait for it, that the license plate shown during the title sequence yep. has the number 122822. I actually Which that is song. apparently a shield designation for a planetary event known as the Pulse, which I think comes from a video game, video game universe. Anyway, it features wow. Reed Richards, so they're saying that that's a cryptic nod to the Fantastic Four turning up. Is it though? I don't think it is. Then why did they send U.S. Air Force Major Goodner? You know exactly, <laughs> fucking Major Goodner. Like we've all been waiting four episodes to see Major fucking Goodner. Hey, that, that, hey. In, in fairness, no in, in fairness, major disappointment might not have been <laughs> the aerospace engineer that Monica was talking True. about. She may have been supplied with the goods. Yes. I guess. Yeah. Yes. yes. Maybe. So Let's that, hope that person may still be uh, may still be on the way. Maybe Reed Richards might still show up. Who knows? Mm. We we shall see. But. Honestly, I think people are in danger going full room two three seven with this. They, they really are. They're, you know, they've even got me doing it. Looking at you, look at every frame back. Like we watch these episodes two, sometimes three, if time allows, times before we record these these podcasts. And you know, I watch the second time around. I watch with the subtitles on, and you know, you can spot little things in the dialogue, and you you can freeze it, and you can look around and see things in the background. And I also wonder sometimes if they're intentionally fucking with us because they know we're in a post lost, post Westworld world <laughs> where you know you you have people just pulling these things apart. And Westworld season two was it, Jimbo? Was it season three where the showrunners almost deliberately misled? people oh they, they do it all the time but they're 100 percent doing it here because there's uh in again in the credits there's the um there's a cutout in the end of the words we know what you are doing you know in the credits we and know, if you I zoom you in did, there's yeah. a url on it written backwards and if you reverse it and look at it it just says www.lol.com <laughs> 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 they're just the set designers are massively yeah. trolling everyone who's kind of picking the show apart oh it was God. interesting when you mentioned subtitles this week um if you have the subtitles on at the beginning when she goes into the kitchen with the milk and everything else i could not hear 
any of this on the soundtrack, but the subtitles give you everything that's on the radio in the background, oh. uh, which includes all this talk about, hope your little ghosts got home safe after Halloween last night, uh-huh. um, and had a thing about your conscience uh, happening in there as well. So, and it was all it, the radio station was WNDA, mm-hmm. of course. <laughs> That's yes. nice. I like that. And did you hear the the lines from Captain Marvel when uh, yeah. Rambo's yeah. pushing through the barrier as well? Yes, which has led some people now to speculate. In fact, my wife even said that she we were talking about the episode earlier on that she you know thinks wonders if if Carol might show up towards the end. Uh, it feels too powerful. I'm mean, so think. strange, to be honest. They both feel like, you know, omega level people. And then it becomes a bit deus ex machina where they turn up and it's fixed. Bringing a gun to a knife fight. Well, indeed. Yeah. Uh, bringing a, a whirly orange circle to a knife fight. <laughs> but of course, that's assuming that they actually turn up and fix it rather than turning up and making things worse, which is Yeah, possible. turn up and go, lol, you know. and then just leave. Or just turn up to be like, guys, are you okay? <laughs> I think everybody yeah. needs a big yeah. hug by We're the end of the series. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for you emotionally. Yeah. We're a bit worried about you. Are you okay? Um, the, the lyrics, I just want to go through the lyrics of this song because I love this song so much. It's like the Edgar's, Edgar's Prayer from uh, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. I... <laughs> I I, I watched. I've watched this intro sequence, this Agatha all along sequence, more times than I think I've watched anything from from WandaVision, and it's so good. And the lyrics are just absolutely on point. Uh, Who's been messing up everything? That's the male chorus singing, and then like, it's been Agatha all along. Obviously, that's Catherine Han, so versatile. Who's been pulling every evil string? Agatha all along. And Deborah Jo Rupp gets a credit at the end of this uh, episode by the way mm, she's um, in it despite for only being in it for one shot mm. man oh man those are good agents she's insidious so perfidious good that you man. haven't even noticed and the pity is the pity is pity 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 it's too late to fix anything now that everything has gone wrong oh yeah. so mm, naughty Agatha does the repetition of pity suggest that she actually isn't all bad? I'm just reaching here, I'll be honest. I'm just, you know, I'm opening, I'm opening the conversation, the possibility. Who knows? Um, but yeah, the, the, the other lyrics seem rather damning. Because your theory was that, you know, she, if she might be working off a debt, she might be working for someone. And if the Mephisto thing is true, then there is a big, big bad here. So maybe she'll turn good at the end. Who knows? Uh, one of the theories I've seen knocking around Twitter today is, and in fact, I saw it last week, someone slid into my DMs with this, suggesting that potentially the big bad of this might be Loki. <laughs> Discuss. Synergy. No. I do not believe that to be the but case. No. He's not a villain. He's an anti-hero. Unfortunately, bad. The Loki that we have knocking around know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe at the moment is villain a villain. Loki. But he's always been something of a devilish rogue. You know, I yeah, I know. I don't think that at all. <laughs> he tried to kill his stop, brother. Stop messing with my man Loki. Many times. Yeah, well, that's I mean, a brother wouldn't? thing. He was a snake and then he, st- and he went, bad. <laughs> <laughs> stop, stop, stop. <laughs> 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 it might be you never know because then that might tie into the Loki show yes but I don't see it somehow no the other thing from the song uh, just before we move on from the song um, we'll the, never we, move on from the song but <laughs> <laughs> the song is staying with us forever in terms of the scenes that we saw the other side of I, I, I guess we'd kind of wondered if this was the case but seeing Agatha sort of controlling Pietro or something to do with the Pietro situation. She Mm. is doing some kind of magic. I don't know whether she's like summoned him there or is changing his appearance at the doorstop or something like that. But I thought it was interesting. And then obviously you've got the post-credit sequence as well, but that Mm. that her and whoever this Pietro is 
are very much linked and sort of in this together or is she controlling him or i thought it was interesting interesting just to see an extra glimpse of how those two tie together even if we don't quite know what that is yet and it was interesting even at the beginning of the episode wanda's telling her sons that that's not your that's not your uncle yes so she's Whatever Don't believe anything that man says. Yeah, whatever <laughs> lingering doubt she had last week and she was kind of willing to be talked into it to some degree, I think that vanished as soon as he said what he said about vision. And, well, uh, if, and was- you, if we can now see Yo Gabba Gabba, if we can get real TV shows in yeah. this universe, perhaps she saw X-Men Apocalypse and just decided to disown him <laughs> what the f- immediately. Just going, that, I mean, nothing that, to do that with would that be guy. reasonable. That would yeah. be reasonable. No yeah. one for her for that. <laughs> but I, yeah, I was waiting for him to show up all the way through the episode, and he he's kind of lurking on the frame, isn't he? He's mm-hmm. that that failed threat. What is Pietro? If that is indeed Pietro, what is he going to do? Um, and then at the end, and this happens a lot with American sitcoms, um, usually ones produced by by Mike Schur. So. Uh, like The Good Place or Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where you'll have a secret cameo at the end of the episode, right at the end of the episode as a button, as a cliffhanger. Mm. And just before the person appears, their name pops up in the credits. So you're like, oh man, I know Adam Scott's in this week's episode. Oh, for the love of God. Uh, But that happened in this week's episode because at the end of the credits, Evan Peters' name popped up. And then we had our first mid-credits thing, which might be a sign that nature's healing, that that the the MCU (laughs) is returning to normal. And after seven weeks of this faux sitcom stuff that I think will probably I'm imagining jettison that format from now on that's maybe why we're now in the real world so to to speak of what's happening inside the hex maybe yeah I mean, I don't know where they go with the sitcom thing from here. They're basically up to date. You were talking about Agatha's plan maybe sort of uh, accelerating and at the same time yeah, Wonder's sitcom journey pretty much ends here unless they start going into like future sitcoms Dick Terrace did say the broadcast had stopped, even though she's still doing Modern Family. Like it yeah. wasn't being broadcast. Mm. So I'm not quite sure how that was working. And and the Modern Family thing wasn't even in consistent within the universe. So on one hand, we see Vision talking to camera, but immediately after that, we see him lifting off from his conversation with Darcy. So it's almost mm-hmm. like it's it's not even real to the people who are in it at the moment. It's in, the in time, their heads. Yeah. At that time. yeah and why is it in their heads? We see it at the end. We see that Agatha projects it into Wanda's head. I think that's what's happening at the end. You know, she mm-hmm. she her eyes flash all purple and then Wanda's head goes a weird bit weird, <laughs> technical term. <laughs> and then we see Leah Agatha all along title sequence. So I wonder if that's what's been happening all along. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why Agatha because Agatha, you would imagine, being, you know, centuries old, might have a better handle on TV sitcom shot format than, than a Sokovian. Yeah, witches love sitcoms. I would love it if next week's episode isn't an episode of WandaVision, it's an episode of Agatha all along. Wouldn't <gasps> oh <my laughs> that be amazing? Where she's the main character and they so do good. the same. I, I, and I can see them doing that because it, you need an episode where it's like the villain side of it or whatever the other side of this story is has got to be revealed well, at some point. I, I would love it if they did that. I had that at the end of this one with the little Agatha all along monsters thing. Like that gives you, and, and I, it's, ha- it's obviously it's the motivation, isn't it? And the underlying... Mm underlying details but i you know i feel like there's going to be some kind of conflagration at the beginning of the next next episode and then we'll find out who's behind the person who's behind the person behind the person because you know we we don't see what happens to wanda at the end of that episode you know this is gonna be very interesting so agatha is she essentially the shark from last week who's been siphoning 
off Wanda's magic and maybe draining her of her life force a little bit so that Wanda, who's incredibly powerful, might not be able to take her on uh, on her own. But luckily, she has a brand new superhero whose mm. powers are still nascent and untested, but I mean, you never know. But might be She able did to a provide... superhero landing and she that's did. how we know she's a superhero. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and then looked up and then said, cut the check. And uh, <laughs> in slow motion, all very, very glorious. And of course, Vision is on his way now. So, you know, what sort of power set does this Vision have? Because he was imbued earlier on with Quicksilver's powers. So how much of his powers are under his control? Can he fight back against Agatha? if he is in some way a construct of Agatha. So how how is that all going to work? Uh, and then, of course, what is Dick Terrace planning? He says, launch. We're going to launch today. today. And then he doesn't appear in the rest of the episode. His own rival sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> the Dick Van Terrace show. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Monica says he's basically going to launch a sort of, you know, fire strike on the entire town, like just drop the napalm or whatever, I guess. feeling that might be a little bit illegal, given that there's lots of actual yeah. humans wandering around. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. you know, Very throwing much so. that out there. Yeah. But I don't, he doesn't strike me as someone who's necessarily concerned about that at the moment. Because he's a maverick and also a dick. <laughs> uh, yeah, mostly because he's a dick, I think. <laughs> um, I was wondering about the, in the opening credits, Friday the 10th was circled. Is that where we are? Is that a day or two from now? Are we looking at a countdown thing? Where was that? Uh, in the opening, uh, you know, the Wanda's, all the Wanda signs from the office. Oh. Yeah. There's, oh, there's nice. a calendar in the background with Friday the 10th circled. Helen, you've gone root, full room 237. Don't yeah, do it. Sorry. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like that uh, that little opening credits thing. Yeah, you're right, Jimbo. It was a, definitely a riff on the office theme yeah. song. But uh, <laughs> uh, but the, the, the title sequence himself, I'm, I'm sure it, it pertains to something that I don't know. Also, props to the props people uh, for uh, the, when they were doing the glitches. They had they had Wiimotes that glitched into a GameCube controller, yes. which turned into an Atari 2600 joystick, <laughs> and then a game of Uno. So, you know, <laughs> I, I love that. that it, it, it's like, what era are we in? What a fucking nerd. Oh my God, he's such a nerd. <laughs> no, that was really, I did think that was clever as well, actually, even though I could not have told you what they were from. Um <laughs> I think we should t- say just a couple more things about Photon or like mm. Monica, because I think this is really important. So, oh, look, it's rewriting your DNA last time. Oh. But what happens this time, <laughs> she hasn't gone through the barrier by choice before. So she, if she became a superhero that way, that there would be an element of sort of random chance involved. It'd be like the Terrigen Mist and Ms. Marvel or the mutants. And she is a superhero in, generally in Marvel history, not either of those. So it kind of makes sense that she would actively choose the the action that makes her a superhero because she was pulled through first time, she was pushed out or thrown out second time, but this time it is an act of will on her part and I think that makes her a much more kind of compelling hero going mm. forward. I loved that sequence so much. That was my favourite thing of the whole episode. Even the Agatha, well, maybe Agatha all along. <laughs> second favourite favorite thing was, yeah, the sequence of, of uh, Monica going through the hex was incredible. Like I loved the sort of 2001-esque visuals of her with the helmet and the light sort of stretching over the helmet. And the, the, the visuals of her sort of, yeah, striding through the layers to get through. And even just on a sort of thematic level like yeah. monica this character like wading through her own grief the echoes that she hears as she goes through the hex wading through her own grief mm. breaking through wanda's walls in order to literally reach her yeah i thought that was beautiful i thought that was really really well done mm. and um 
And yeah, just some of the most like visually uh, engaging stuff we've seen in this whole series, I think. Like the, the way that as she's stepping through the hex, she's sort of like refracting into different versions of herself. And and then refusing them and, and going through as herself, unchanged, yes. in a way that no one else has been able to do. I thought that was yeah. really good. And yeah, the glowy cool. blue eyes are very cool. Mm. Mm. <laughs> here's a here's a left field theory for you i'm still not convinced the person behind all of this isn't anyanka the vengeance demon because we do see dotty again in mm. a non-speaking appearance they're really underusing emma yes. caulfield in this like she just she turns she looks like mm, and then it moves on so mm. just saying dotty yeah, keep your eye could be dotty. join the dots join the dotties i've seen some people speculate that it might be the postman that the postman might be mephisto <laughs> No. Presto is what he had on his uniform this time. The yes, courier guy. Actually. I love yeah. that because because here we're going. Yeah. He has a rabbit on his hat, and 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 Mephisto eats rabbit. So <laughs> ergo, <laughs> guys, what if I am Mephisto? I don't oh know anymore. <laughs> Can oh we be God. sure you're not though? Maybe he's Wally Mephisto, and he's a really good DP when he's when he's not <laughs> hey. being Maybe all he's- evil. Kit Mephisto and he's hey! swinging a lightsaber. Oh my god! <laughs> oh. Synergy, Disney synergy. Yeah. Wow. I know. I know. Um, we haven't actually talked about my favorite or possibly second favorite joke in the episode because I did love. I actually did bite a kid once. I really loved that. But I <laughs> yeah. also loved when Vision is trying to distract Darcy and goes, "Look." That mime is lifting a too heavy a tray. And she goes, oh, you're bad back. <laughs> superb. Absolutely superb. I really enjoyed his deadpan delivery. Just when he's, uh, when he's, when they're in the thing and, and all the distractions are coming on, you know, where it's the road works and then the, the kids are crossing and whatnot. And he's just like, I am not amused. <laughs> it's just like, I love him. My, my favourite Darcy moment of the week was uh, when she was talking to Vision and she said, I've been watching WandaVision all week and the love you two have is real. And I was like, same. I've been watching WandaVision all week. Yes. And I very much feel the love between Wanda and Vision. Mm. I like the fact when he's like, oh, we know each other. We shared them. We locked eyes. And she's like, hard pass. And, <laughs> like, I like and then later, he stops her again and she goes, okay, yes, I, I will go out with yes, you, but I'm, I'm going to order the ice cream. What's going on with that? Oh, uh, yeah. They're, they're very, very funny together. And uh, yeah, more, more. Maybe maybe it should be Darcy Vision. Vision. Yeah. Mm. Maybe it should mm. be Darcy Vision. And maybe uh, Wanda's had her shot. Piss <gasps> off, Maximoff. Wow. You wouldn't yeah. say that to her face, would you, Chris? I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't. She's really scary. Today in indefensible positions, my God. <laughs> um, I felt that Jimmy Woo was a bit underused in this episode. Mm. Um, and I think that hopefully he he's pretty much the only major character on the heroic side anyway, who's now outside the hex. So I wonder if he's going to go through the hex at some point or whether he's going to play a pivotal role in bringing down Dick Terrorist. I suspect so. I also, I'm interested, we were talking before, or you were talking, I think, Chris, about the possibility of whatever whatever comes out of this, Wanda being portrayed as a terrorist and being portrayed as the villain, whoever actually was the villain. What I think is really interesting, and I know it's for story reasons and I shouldn't overthink it, but I think it, I think it's really interesting how much accurate information comes out of all these battles that the Avengers have um, across all the <laughs> films, unless it's like super inconvenient. So they'll they'll kind of fudge Bucky or something. But generally speaking, like people have super detailed, accurate knowledge of what the Avengers did and how they're the good guys in a way that you know increasingly feels idealistic in this world. Maybe they have good PR. Maybe they do a press conference <laughs> the week after and sort of explain beat by beat how those battles went down. Yeah, I guess. It just feels like there'd be less consensus. And I'm glad that the Marvel Universe is better than ours that way. I don't I don't know. I said this a few weeks ago because people were going, oh, 
Captain Marvel nearly took out Thanos. Well, well, Wanda nearly took out Thanos, and you're going, well, how do they know that? Because there wasn't a, like a chronicler on on set. They didn't have a Robert Kappa type person on the battlefield. But I would say that the battle to save the universe would be pretty well documented um, mm. by now. Well, I think you find it was probably Oahu the Watcher, and he's the one who relays sure. all this information. Yes, sure. indeed. Yes, uh, it probably was him. Just a couple of quick things before we take some uh, listener questions. The voice of the director talking back to Wanda. Yes. Do mm-hmm. you think that this is what you deserve? Yeah. Sinister. Who is that? Mr. Sinister, Helen, you think? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh God bring the X-Men back, back, back. Is it just Matt Shackman? Is it just the, the director of the show being the director in the, in the, uh, in the show? Or... Is it someone else? Is a male voice? It's Agatha, as we see, isn't it? But presumably putting on a husky voice. Yes. And uh, pulling the wool over Wanda's eyes fairly easily. Just out of shot, there's Agatha being really, really weird and evil. Um, and that's why I, I I, don't know if it's necessarily related, but that's why I don't think the, I think the postman's a red herring. Uh, I think mm-hmm. this lovely little touch that he has presto, as Jimbo pointed out, on his postman's uniform and he has a rabbit on his hat. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, with, with hindsight, it's very, very much pointing the way towards the Agatha reveal. But I, I just think it's a joke that he's there because if you notice, he's got fr- parcels that have fragile marked on them. And whenever there's like some sort of superhero ruckus going on in the middle of the street, he just stops for a second and says to go, Oh my God, you always expect two guys with a big pane of glass to suddenly yeah. just walk across. Yeah. And some crates well. full of chickens. <laughs> Why the hell not? Or like someone crossing the street with a trolley full of tin cans. <laughs> oh no, my baby! No, it's just a bunch of tin cans. Uh, market with a, a bunch of watermelons. It's <laughs> always a fruit market. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, going back to the the thing Helen said as well, that you know, I think Monica's going to be one of the few people who can get through to Wanda. But what mm-hmm. sort of state will Wanda be in next week? Uh, anyway, should we take some questions? Yes. Sure. Here's a question from Matt. OB08. Regarding the post credit scene in this week's episode of WandaVision, is Pietro working with Agatha? Uh, yeah, what do you think? Because Working we, for Agatha, I would think. Or, with, or is for, he? Or is he? Because, you know, A, he doesn't have the Pietro hair. So, again, I have to ask, who is this guy? What is he doing here? Why is he creeping around Agatha's house? The inference, because we've all seen TV shows, and we see what happens usually when people are snooping around in basements. You know, an episode of Criminal Minds, that never ends well. Um, so, we have been conditioned to expect that the next thing has happened is he's just knocked Monica out and she'll awaken in the basement tied up and it'll be like this scene from Pulp Fiction with the Gimp. But do we think that perhaps he is actually on the side of the angels and he's going to her, help me, I don't know what's happened. I've woken up in this universe and my hair is all weird. Maybe, but I think no. It was a sinister quip. The snoopers going to snoop thing was like, Hey, evil thing I say before I knock you out. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and and I think even just seeing, having seen uh, in the Agatha reveal that that she is either in control of him or is doing the the wooey purple magic on him, I yeah, I think he's wrong. And yeah. at this point, mm. e- e- even if deep down inside he's not, I think at this moment he's a wrongen. At O J H Well asks, uh, I rewatched the first six episodes of WandaVision this week to see if anything popped in hindsight. And I'm pretty convinced that the whole thing is Agatha trying to make Wanda have kids that she can use for a nefarious purpose. And someone else wrote in saying, is she going to try and sacrifice Billy and or Tommy? Um, and this person, I don't know whether it's a, a, a man or a woman, um, says, you know, 
that thing we were talking about last week, the magic show for the children and the repetition of that when there are no children present. This is a theory we think talked about two weeks ago, didn't we? With the idea that, you know, there might be some loss in Agnes's slash Agatha's life and she might be trying to make up for it by by growing her own. Yeah. Yeah, we did we did talk about that. I don't I don't see it being about human sacrifice though. I don't feel like that's the vibe. But you know, hey, they live to surprise us. <laughs> nice bit of human sacrifice. <laughs> Ooh, I didn't see that coming. Ooh, how exciting. <laughs> I've just had a thought. What if the cicada isn't Mephisto? What if it's Ralph? Ralph! <gasps> Where was Ralph? Where, Where is, is Ralph? Ralph? Is Ralph Senior Scratchy? I was going to mention that earlier on. Is he in the rabbit? And also, we should point out that Agatha Harkness in the comics has a son who is a warlock called Nicholas Scratch. So (gasps) is is he somehow her son or is that just a nod to it? And I think that might have been also a little little clue a few weeks ago. I'm pretty sure she said Senior Scratchy a few weeks ago and everyone on the internet went, oh my God, it's Agatha Harkness. Uh, And now we know that it is. (gasps) So the room two three seveners were right. <laughs> Sometimes, <They're> like <laughs> like me, Helen, uh, broken clock and all that. I'm going to give a shout out to someone whose theories we've talked about already in the show. At bag 1982, Christopher Baxter uh, has the arrival of Monica accelerated Agatha's plans. She was keen to get Wanda away from Monica, and why else would she reveal herself now? Interesting, and I guess also you have the idea that you know Wanda's powers are waning here, but is why is that? Is that because of Wanda's mindset that she's getting, you know, it's not in helping what she thought might help in this idyllic life that she had set up for her and Vision is crumbling. So maybe she's retreating even further into depression. But is she actually controlling all this stuff or is it Agatha? Oh, it's all very complicated. I, th- I, think, it's a, I think it's a joint thing. I think it's definitely Wanda's power is involved in creating all of this, even if Agatha is manipulating her mm. use of that she's power. She's controlling think, her and then yeah, she's creating exactly. everything. But I think that the, the glitches at the beginning definitely show that something is wrong with Wanda. That's not Agatha imposing that on her. And, and her whole speech about, you know, she basically wants to be punished by being alone. Like she is imposing mm. loneliness on herself as a punishment for something she, she thinks she was, you know, unwise or unkind to do. First of all, it says how much she fears loneliness, which kind of goes to the whole point of all this. But mm-hmm. second of all, she's clearly fucked up at that point. Very, very clearly. At aces are rare, aces underscore r underscore rare on Twitter. Uh, it says, given what's happened to Monica, do you think the hex will also be used as the start point for Kamala Khan's powers developing, given that the mm. MCU is politely ignoring Inhumans and Terrigen Bombs, Mists, etc.? She's from New Jersey, after all, a New Jersey, and New Jersey. Uh, has a somewhat tenuous connection to Monica through her Captain Marvel fandom. I could dig that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Could you dig that? How far yeah. can you dig that? I mean, as, as we were, as you were mentioning the Terrigen Mists earlier on, I, it, that got me thinking about what, how are they going to introduce Ms. Marvel's powers? Because that is very much how that happens in the, in the Kamala Khan comic books. Admittedly not MCU-wise, but sort of Marvel-wise, they've never been shy about having people splash with radioactive substances and whatnot. So, you know, <laughs> I'm sure they'll come up with something. But her specific, well, it depends where they go with her, because they did tie her specifically to the Inhumans um, in the comics. So yes. it leaves them unable to do that. The only thing about the New Jersey link is that she is very much in 
urban New Jersey, like just across the river from you know, Manhattan kind of New Jersey, and not this kind of idyllic-ish, anyway, previously idyllic kind of countryside New Jersey. So you would mm -hmm. have to then have a family move of some sort. And that doesn't really massively fit with her sort of background as, as it stands. Also, if there's some big like New Jersey superpower boom and loads of people in New Jersey get superpowers, A, I want the superpower Springsteen series, B, <laughs> I want the superpower Sopranos, I want like gangsters with superpowers having a midlife crisis. Yeah. And of course, they could always have big throwdowns in New Jersey because everything is legal. Everything is legal in New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey. At Dave Sweeney 7 asks, do you guys think there's any significance to the colours that Monica and Agatha have? We talked about the this a little bit. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the, the blue to the and the woos. red and the purple, it's all tied together. But I'll allow Dave Sweeney to expand, Ben. Uh, is Monica linked to the Space Stone and Agatha to the Power Stone? Or is That's this just a way I to distinguish saying. between the characters? Uh, oh, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think there's just a limited number of colours in the spectrum <laughs> and they have to at some point repeat them because the stones cover off most of them. Uh, no. Here's a good one from at Tom Manley 98. Uh, now we're heading into the final stretch. Do you think with the abundance stretch, uh, stretch just uh, bendy stretch Rooney with the with the abundance with the abundance of theories and rumors the most common one I'm seeing is that Reed Richards will make his first appearance in the Maku uh, that ultimately people are setting themselves up to be disappointed if they don't come true and therefore think less of the show as a whole when it finishes. I, I think that's think happening. People think yeah. less of it. I, don't, I mean, they, they could still fuck the ending. I mean, it's possible. Mm. I doubt they will, but they could still fuck the ending. But when this show first started, I said, you know, I suspect I'm going to fucking love this show. I'm just not there yet in those first two episodes. I am very much there now. Like, I think this is fantastic. I love this show. I love the way it's played out as a mystery. I think they've pitched it perfectly i think it's 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 a masterpiece i really do uh so wow, you know i'm hoping that they, yeah i genuinely do i just think it's so audacious the way they've they've used this conceit to package a beautiful brilliant mystery which is not only great as a standalone thing but ties into this whole wider universe with this legacy of mm. 20 odd films i think this is i think it's incredible i really do and and also i love the fact that they're just having fun trolling us all yeah. and i respect that and to bring such depth as well to characters who, as we said before, have very little screen time in the MCU so far, and not just utilize these wonderful actors. So you realize just how good Lizzie Olsen is. You know, like she was fantastic in Martha, 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 Martha. Um, why Martha do you say Mary, that? Mary, Marlene. <laughs> That's the one. And yeah, I knew it was a, a Mary or a May in there somewhere. Uh, she was fantastic in that and great in Wind River and mm -hmm. things like that. But she hasn't really had the chance I would say to strut her stuff in the MCU up until this point and this she's got such range I think uh, one thing the show is reinforcing like, like that, that moment to, to go back to her and she goes I'm fine I'm fine and then you can see in her eyes that she's absolutely not fine it is really wonderful piece of acting and Bethany has just been smashing it out of the park uh, because he's playing kind of almost different iterations of Division in every single week. Mm. So it's it's great for me in, in that regard. But I do think there is a danger of that. I think, you know, it, a danger that people can, you know, they can get attached to the show that's in their heads. Exactly. And they can get attached to the show that they think is going to happen. And so this week, I was waiting for Reed Richards to show up. I was convinced there was going to be Reed Richards when they went, here they are around the corner. And I thought, oh, here's the big buildup. Here's the big buildup. And it's going to be John Krasinski and it's going to be Reed Richards. And we're on board. And here's Fantastic Four. Choo-choo, all aboard. Get on the board of Fantastic Car. Let's go. And then it was major disappointment. And 
I felt a little bit, oh, okay. And it took me a second to get back into it. Oh, what's happening here? Okay, they got the big four by four monster truck thing. And then ultimately that turns out to be a, a red herring as well. But, you know, and, you know, I'm wondering now if Doctor Strange doesn't show up, you know, the show I've got in my head, you know, if it sticks a landing, it may take a while for me to recognize it stuck the landing because I'll be disappointed because it wasn't the show that I had written in my head. And I think that's a dangerous thing. I think that's happening already. I've had a couple of emails from people today who basically said that, um, that they were disappointed by not having these major revelations. But, you know, we got a moon rover. I mean, you know, in in the week that NASA launches Perseverance or Perseverance lands on Mars, like surely that's something. But are you disappointed by something that the show was never intending to bring you? That's exactly. the thing. Like, yeah. you know, we've convinced ourselves, or the internet has convinced themselves that Reed Richards is going to be in this show, that Mephisto mm-hmm. is going to be in this show, that, you know, I've convinced myself that Doctor Strange is going to be in this show. But just if the show doesn't do that, if they had no intention of doing that, if Jack Schaefer and Feige and Matt Shackman had no intention of doing that and they go in a different way, How's that to the show's detriment? I don't. I, I find that strange, and I'm 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 including myself in this. You know, I'm part of the problem here. Mm. I, I think there's an arrogance, really, to um, being disappointed that the show didn't give you something that you convinced yourself it was going to deliver, even though the show never promised that. Especially mm. when what the show is giving us is is beautifully made. Like I agree with everything that James has said. That like yeah. it's it's this show feels really special and it's doing interesting things every week. And it's lovely that we can have a discussion every week about is that Mephisto? Is that Mephisto? Is that Mephisto? Is that, is that Mephisto? Am I Mephisto? Are you Mephisto? <laughs> it's fun that we can have all those conversations, but at the same time, to be disappointed if the show doesn't do that, I think there's like there's a side yeah. to that that feels like come on like Catch let's have on. fun with it but yeah. like that the show yeah. doesn't owe us anything and at the same time lean into what the show is giving us because the show is giving us amazing stuff we're in the middle of a nine episode superhero sitcom about grief like what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> please like keep it coming yeah. yeah, but even case in point, going back right to the beginning when you said you were disappointed with this episode because it didn't deliver the modern mm. family riff that you wanted and that's clearly not the show's intention this week. I'm, I'm if there had been a Modern Family riff in episode three, I think they probably would have leaned almost fully into it, and yeah. it would have been, you know, very very funny with, with lots of you know shaky cams and crash zooms and people being mad. But yeah, it's going in a slightly different direction. But I think it's that's yeah. really interesting. When you know, whenever we, it's, I think it's one of those things where we're going to have to take a a little step back from it at the end of it and just consider what we just saw. Yeah. Here's a question from at LAJ105, Luke Jones on the old twits. Um, what are your thoughts on releasing WandaVision in weekly chunks versus the Netflix all-in-one model? I've enjoyed the pace, says Luke, uh, but the gaps are also breeding fervent speculation, a lot of which I suspect will not be paid off in this show. I think the weird thing about the Netflix and and general model these days is that the things that we do have to watch weekly are incredibly frustrating, but do get talked about like a lot as a result. Like they get almost an uptick in attention because the the, the conversation is almost finished before it's begun with you know a Bridgerton or the Crown or whatever. And with something like this, it goes on for weeks. I have to say, like as a marketing tool for your service that is still a fairly young and new service, it's it's evil and and I want it all immediately. Um, but I can understand why they're doing it. And it does kind of give us something different. It gives us a different pleasure to it, really. Same with Mandalorian. 
I think they've they've pitched it perfectly. In fact, I, I wrote a piece on the Empire website all about this, about how I think it's just it is giving us at a time where cinemas aren't open. Like the thing that Marvel gives us in the cinema is moments when we did that issue, um, the the last issue of the magazine, the the Edgar issue celebration of cinema moments. It was it was the end game stuff. It was like Loki smashing Hulk. No, the other way round. At the end <laughs> of Avengers the Assemble. Other way round. <laughs> <laughs> what a scene that would have been. Um, but it was it, Marvel. The Marvel films give us collective moments in the cinema, and we can't have those right now. And I think it's great that this show is giving us the virtual equivalent as best we can at the moment of those moments of us all having these conversations mm. every week like everybody else it gets to the end of the episode on a friday morning and i'm like oh, i wish i could watch the next one right now but a couple of hours later or by the time we finish recording this podcast i can sort of put it to the back of my mind and i'm sort of mulling stuff over through the week and then it's like gets to halfway through the week and i'm like ooh, one division on friday and it's 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 pulling me through it's pulling me through mm-hmm. the like longest bleakest grayest start to the year i think we've had maybe ever it being in lockdown in winter sucks and having something like this every week to kind of look forward to and to pull us through and then when we have a new episode to mark the day so we all know what day it is we all know what's happening we all know when 8 a.m is we're all getting up on a a friday morning between 7 59 and 801 (laughs) Just having that Thanks, stuff to, to 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 talk about through the week and to think about and to then gather for the next episode. Like I love it. I want even out of lockdown, I want all the Marvel shows to come this way. And I I think that is what they're planning. Um because they'd be crazy not to. Like Helen said, it it this is marketing itself because every single week for well, coming on nine weeks in a row, this show is 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 trending. It's the main topic of conversation all over Twitter, all over the the sort of superhero media. So keep it up yeah i I, i'll be honest i don't like the binge model i try to get on board with it i I live for it i want everything i'm captain instant gratification i need all of my episodes immediately so i can watch them all but in this particular case i am savoring (laughs) this and i think it's wonderful but normally i yeah i want everything now 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 but the problem is if they had dropped not least the fact that i really enjoy doing this every week with you guys uh even though you're all terrible terrible bangly bang obviously um, yes Uh, I know I have to plead that myself, but, <laughs> but it's sometimes, it. sometimes it's worth it. <laughs> but I enjoy doing this every week. And I uh, uh, like, you know, I love taking a slow with this. And the thing is, you know, because the internet is the way it is, you know, every single Friday, one of the reasons we have to watch it at 8 a.m. is I couldn't do it today. And look, people were sliding into my DMs within an hour with spoilers. And I had to, I couldn't go on Twitter, <laughs> which is terrible for me. I'm addicted <laughs> to Twitter. <laughs> but if, if they had released all nine episodes... At the same time, back on January 25th, we would have had to watch online episodes at the same time. And that, I don't think, A, would have been conducive to enjoyment of the show ultimately in the long run. Because you do need those mysteries to percolate for a little bit. But you also need to head these people off the pass because there would be people who would be almost fast fast forward watching it, really, to get all the secrets so they can go on Twitter and spoil the whole thing for everybody. But this way means you can take it slow, more methodical, and you can, you know, dig into the uh, the characters a little bit better. And also it means you can watch every episode two or three times before we do this. Woo-hoo. So yes, uh, down with binging. That's what I say. You don't binge Coronation Street. You watch every single episode. All <laughs> 8,000 of them. Uh, at D... 
D.Y. Edwards. Yes, D.Y. Edwards. Danielle Edwards on Twitter asks, was it Agatha or Wanda slowing down Vision and Darcy's progress? <laughs> Which, again, I really like that joke, by the way. Mm. <laughs> I, I felt like it was probably... I don't know, because there's the line that Wanda has early on about, well, if he doesn't want to be here, there's nothing I can do about it. But it feels like she was the one keeping him away. I, th I think Vision's right when he says that she's the one kind of keeping him at a distance. Yeah. And then he suddenly realizes like he doesn't need a car to get there. He can just <laughs> fly, which is Without a lovely, lovely moment. informing Darcy he's about to do it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do tend to believe it's Wanda. I think it's part of her yeah. day of quarantine that she doesn't deserve Vision right then. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. I guess we'll find out. We'll find out. Exactly how much of this is Wanda, how much of this is, is Agatha, and how much of this is Phil-in X. Funkster Cosplay doesn't have a question, just says that they love the use of aspect ratio, which mm. I think mm. is, you can particularly see in the Agatha All Along song. I promise I'll stop mentioning that song at some point. Taryn Strong, at Taryn Strong, says, Do you think it's significant that Dottie was seen cutting her roses? My new theory is that she is Mephisto. Anyanka, sure. the vengeance demon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She back again. Wanda stumbled upon her and she said, I wish Vision was back from the dead. And then suddenly, whoo, that's it. <laughs> that's the universe. Uh, George Wales, 85, asks, was the fly in Agatha's house a manifestation of Mephisto? We've discussed it that, but he goes on to say, <laughs> he goes on to say, was that also him in the bottle episode of Breaking Bad? <laughs> Which <laughs> I think good. would good. explain a lot about Very Breaking good. Bad. Very, very good. I mean, isn't Beelzebub Lord of the Flies, though? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> he is the one who knocks. He is the danger. Uh, at Ian in Shanghai, this is the most batshit theory I've heard yet. Uh, so thanks, Ian. Thanks for a lot. This is a really interesting theory from, from Ian slash weird. Any chance that the big character reveal could be Blade? Could be hiding in Agatha's basement. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> it, just, it could be hiding is Blade in, in Agatha's basement? <laughs> I mean... Maybe he's just trying to ice skate uphill. Who knows? I was about Agatha to say, it'll pan across to an ice rink on an incline and it'll be like, Blade. Blade trying to get there slowly, but he can't this fucking hill. Ag Agatha mentions biting people. <laughs> Mate, yeah, she's not a vampire, though. Check out of room 237 before it's too late. No, I do love uh, it, but no. That's, that's crazy town. I love it. Do you know the name of the actress who is in the commercials is, is Victoria Blade? <gasps> it is a Blade movie. No. Victoria Blade. Victoria. I'm on her IMDb profile right now. Victoria grew up in Michigan, pursuing acting and music from an early age. After graduating from Western Michigan University's acting program, she got her start in the Chicago theatre scene at Steppenwolf Theatre. Hang on, is this a Justice League? Oh, <laughs> oh, crossover. oh my God. Release the Snyder Cut of WandaVision. Um, <laughs> Victoria is featured in WandaVision for Marvel. She's also a singer-songwriter who released her debut solo album Lo-Fi Love Songs in 2019 on the indie record label Already Dead Tapes and Records. Hang on, Vision's already dead. <gasps> it's all connected. <laughs> okay, Chris, uh, you're in room 237 and she, I think it's time to leave. She's five foot six inches tall. Check out. Vision six foot five inches tall. We've it's, gone it's down this rabbit hole a to touch too Chris. far. Okay, sorry. I just, I, I got carried away here. But yeah, her name is Victoria Blade. So in a way, this is Blade's introduction to the MCU. Oh, Good. Okay. I'm glad we cleared that up. All right. Uh, and nearly done with the questions. Uh, Joshua Farther. 
Uh, uh, yeah, he's wondering whether Joshua Fowler, whether the spell book shown in the basement, as Helen and Ben pointed out, has a strong Doctor Strange feel. Do you think that he and Agnes or Agatha already know of each other? Maybe they dated for a while. <laughs> Seems unlikely. Seems unlikely. Although he does keep track, doesn't he? You know, he kept track of Loki's whereabouts and things like that. So he might have, he might have a bead on Agnes. I, I suppose it's theoretically possible. But if she can hide herself from Billy, she can probably hide herself from Strange as well. Indeed. The, the two last questions are kind of linked. Uh, one from at WW in the forest, Jack Hawes. What, in your opinion, is the best theme song from WandaVision so far? It's been Agatha all along. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just absolutely nailed on. Uh, although, uh, oh, the first one for me, the opening one. Really? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the uh, unusual regular husband and wife. See, that's stuck in my head in a way that some of the others haven't. I really um, like the, I think it's episode three. Ba, 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 one division. That one, you know, but mm. I don't know the words, but are really good. They're really good. And then the last question comes from at Levi XPMA who asks, every Marvel villain is retroactively given a theme to sing to reveal their schemes, which villain <laughs> ends up with the best song? And I'm going to count down the seconds until James says yep. Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> that was more seconds than I expected. Wow. Yes, I thought he'd be in immediately. <laughs> I mean, in I there. was thinking it. You knew I was thinking it. I didn't feel I needed to actually articulate it. <laughs> you know what? I would like to hear the song from Master Caecilius just because I enjoy the idea of having to rhyme that. <laughs> Master Caecilius, he's trying to kill us. Is that? You see, I mean, you know, already no. it's laboured, and you're up to one line. So, you're laboured. Sound like my old English teacher. <laughs> wow. I I think the best one would be Loki's song. Oh, yeah. It would be like semi theatrical, but I also feel like he'd have a sort of like pop vibe going on. Um, and it would be like a big. He'd he'd have like a really lavish music video happening. Um, <laughs> Like a like a Gaga style like craziness happening. I think I think the Loki want to be ace. You don't think he'd go full Wagner, like oh. new line what ring cycle. Is that? Whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so cultured. <laughs> you say Wagner, and I'm like, what the guy from the X Factor? With the <laughs> oh oh boy! While we've been on music, I do think it's important that we end with Chris singing us out. Oh, Lord. Yeah, <clears throat> All right, okay. All right. <clears throat> because apparently that's it for this week's one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're now done. Chris, sing it's, us out. it's been a while. <laughs> it's time for me to have dinner. All right, okay. All right, because apparently that is it for this week's <laughs> for this week's WandaVision supporter special. Join us next week for more WandaVision-related fun. We'll be discussing the penultimate episode in which I fully expect a lot of the blanks to be filled in. I think we may get some flashbacks next week. I think we may get some flashbacks to how as to how Agatha got there, uh, as to how Wanda got there, how what was happening with Vision's body, and that'll set up episode nine, which will be the big old showdown in which Doctor Strange and Reed Richards turn up and save the day at the end. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh, come on. I mean, I'm happy, but also, God, you got to get that mother day in the sun. Um, but until then, I'm going to sing us out. But until then, <laughs> that's a threat more than a promise. Uh, until then, until we meet again, until that auspicious occasion, it is goodbye from our three colleagues of such lethal cunning, Signor Scaracci himself, Ben Travis. Goodbye. It is goodbye from Snoopers Gonna Snoop, James Dyer. Goodbye. 
is goodbye from Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. And it's goodbye from me, 2021 Vision. I'm pretty sure I've used that squadcast name before, but what can you do? I tried Senior Scratchy, but Ben had already nabbed it. Damn you, Ben. Damn you. Uh, anyway, it is time for me to sing you out um, with, <laughs> with what I thought could be a good intro song for Agatha. So um, this is, if you will, imagine this to this, the, the, the sound, the tune of Simon and Garfunkel's The Sounds of Silence, folks, because um, it, it just popped into my head and wouldn't leave. Anyway, so here we go. Instead of Agatha all along, I'm going to sing you out now. Helen, you're going to join in, aren't you? I'm going to try. All right. I tried to learn the chords of this earlier on. Um, James has got me back into the guitar after years of it just gathering dust in my in my office. Um, but I looked at it on Chordify earlier on, the, the chords of this, and I was like, nope. Paul Simon's <laughs> one of the, the best finger pickers in the history of guitar playing, and I am an inept moron, so I'm not even going to try that. But anyway, here we go. Here is our version of The Sounds of Silence, WandaVision remix. You've heard of Art Garfunkel. Now get ready. For short, Garfunkel. <clears throat> Hello, Harkness, my old friend. friend. Oh, it's quite high. I've, I've come, come to, to talk, talk with, with you, you again. again. <laughs> because a vision softly <laughs> weeping <laughs> stole his, his wife while he was sleeping. <laughs> really high bit. And, and the, the vision has, has a And that's, and that's the, the sound, sound of wonder. Or Westview, if you want. <laughs> and that is the sound <laughs> of silence. And that is it, folks. I am off to check out of room 237. Oh, my God. Please help us. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.